Welcome to another edition of the Informal Podcast. My name is Sam Lewis. I'm here with our good friend Aaron Lewis. We're going to talk some baseball today, Lewis. What, what's going on? How are you doing? Well, we're back. We are a week away from opening day. It is officially time to get going. This is my favorite time of year. I've said before, I'll say it again, baseball is the greatest sport in the world. And you said before we started recording that we're the most excited about this one, more, more so than we've been about the preview pods because we actually have baseball next week. Exactly. And for me, every year, baseball works out perfectly because it always comes right after March Madness, which in my opinion are the two best seasons in America. It's March Madness, then baseball opening day. And since March Madness has not gone in Tennessee's favor, I'm even more so excited. Col- college basketball is 100% over for me, Lewis. After Loyola Chicago hit that just complete ridiculous shot to beat us. I'm done with basketball. I don't want to watch it anymore. I'm 100% focused on baseball. No, there's a reason why it is America's pastime, and that's because it's the one that doesn't break my heart. (laughs) doesn't matter how bad the Braves are. I always find some joy in baseball. I 100% agree with you. All right, so what we're going to do today is we're going to deep dive as much as we can into the upcoming MLB season. So we've got some talking points here, but really we're just going to go back and forth like we would if we weren't recording. We're going to give you some of our thoughts about what we think is going to happen, some things to watch for, some players to watch for. Um, it's going to be a really interesting season. And just bear with us. We appreciate you listening. I'm ready to dive in. What about you? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So what I'm thinking here is going into this season, and really uh, as a continuation from last season, we have a dynamic in Major League Baseball that I don't remember in a long time where we have a certain group of teams that are just better than everybody else. And I've got seven written down here, but you could argue, you know, take one off, add another one on. But they're the teams that were the best teams at the end of the year last year, and they're the best teams again this year. No, and I actually read a pretty cool article on The Ringer the other day about it where they said, well, and actually the title of the article was Welcome to the Super Team Era in Major League Baseball. I mean, you always hear about super teams in the NBA with the Warriors, the Rockets, the Cavs amassing as much talent as possible. And if you look at the teams from last year who made the playoffs – and the percentage of returning players they've got coming, it's higher than ever. And especially, you know, we'll talk about the Astros here in a little bit. The Astros are kind of the biggest example of that, where, you know, you have those four or five core players and you keep adding on to them. Not yet. Not only do they have those guys, they're, the Astros specifically are bringing everybody back, but then they also add a guy like Garrett Cole, who could be a potential ace. You look at the Yankees, who were in the ALCS against the Astros last year, they add the MVP of the National League onto what was already one of the best lineups in baseball. And I agree with what you said. It really it reminds me of the NBA, where if you are not elite at the elite level, it just feels like no one else can compete with these teams. No, absolutely. And, I mean, we'll once again get into all these teams further into the podcast. I don't want to give too much away, but when you've got teams who are World Series champions, you've got teams who uh, are, have multi-time division champions coming back, and not just coming back, but adding more talent, as you just mentioned, I think it's going to be as fun of a season as we've seen in a long time. Without a doubt. So, I mean, let's just dive into it. So, what I think we're going to do is let's – I've got seven listed here with seven what, what we're going to call the seven super teams, and I think one of them is significantly less super than the other ones, but that's also my bias coming through. We'll get to that. We'll discuss that. We absolutely will. So, I think that we should – Break these teams down a little more in depth than the rest of them, just because these are the teams that really matter. And if you ask me, these are the seven teams that could legitimately win the World Series. So, I mean, we'll just start. We'll start at the top. We've got to start with the Astros. They're the defending champions. They did they lose anybody? Off the top of my head, no. I mean, I'm going down their death chart right now. I mean, they bring back 
the obvious guys, the Jose Altuve's, the Carlos Correa's, the George Springer's, but they even retained, you know, the guys who are in the middle or the bottom of the lineup who contribute in a big way, like Marwin Gonzalez, Brian McCann, Evan Gaddis. As you mentioned, they bring back Garrett Cole, or don't bring him back, they add Garrett Cole to the rotation. That's only going to help them out a lot. It's unbelievable to have a have a World Series team whose best players, not only are they coming back, but they're also all so young. I mean, Jose Altuve, among the, their core guys, he's the oldest one on the team. Was he, you know, 27, 28? He's something? late 20s, in it, but it feels like he's a spring chicken. I've right. Been here for and, years. Yeah, and you got George Springer, Carlos Correa, Bregman. Oh, I love Bregman. I mean, these guys are built to last. They keep adding on. Justin Verlander, who came over at the deadline line, I think he came over, he was an August 31st guy, right? He the, did, yep. the, Yeah, the second deadline. And he's pitching like it's 2006 again. And then you add Garrett Cole to him. What? Give me a weakness. What? What weakness does this team have? Yeah, I'm looking over it right now, and I mean, I didn't even think about the rotation a minute ago. I was so absorbed with the with the lineup, how quality it is. But then you look at the rotation. You go one through five: Verlander, Keuchel, Cole, McCullers, Charlie Morton. I and mean, Charlie Morton is by no means a scrub, and he's your fifth guy. I mean, he's coming in, and he pitched significant time in the playoffs last year, and apparently he's your worst guy in the rotation. I mean, that is fantastic. Uh, now I'm looking at the bullpen. The bullpen isn't anything special. You know, Ken Giles is, is fantastic. Hector uh, Rondon's pretty good. But other than that, I mean, obviously not a ton. I do like Chris Davinsky, but uh, maybe the bullpen. Chris Davinsky, he, I don't know if he is going to be as good next year or this coming year as he was last year and the year before, but he was, he's kind of Andrew Miller light. light. Yeah. I mean, he's almost as good as Andrew Miller. Nobody talks about him because he's, you know, I don't know why nobody talks about him. He doesn't throw 98 like Andrew Miller does, but he's incredible. Giles is good. I think the bullpen could come back and bite him. But it's one of the – Bill Simmons always says, specifically about the NBA, but I think it holds true in baseball too, is that you don't have to have your finished roster on opening day. You can add pieces to your team throughout the season, and especially that's true in baseball when it comes to your bullpen. I mean, there's going to be guys who are available in June and July and even August on bad teams who can come in and supplement that bullpen and – I mean, I hesitate to say this because it's baseball and you never know what's going to happen, but I just don't see how the Astros don't win 100 games. Oh, you know, absolutely. I mean, once again, I'm going through their depth chart, and the only, you know, spot where I see any weakness whatsoever is in left field where they're currently projected to give their most at-bats to Derek Fisher, and I couldn't tell you anything about Derek Fisher other than the fact that he shares the name with a not that Derek guard. Fisher exactly yeah. different Derek Fisher I think he was a pretty highly rated prospect coming yeah. out a couple of years ago and maybe he'll be better than I know but I guess maybe if you have any weak points that but no the Astros if they don't win 100 games something has gone terribly wrong absolutely and I, I was I don't know about you but I was really happy that they won the World Series last year for one I love Jose Altuve mm-hmm. he to me is the most fun player to watch in the major leagues and he's just so exciting. He looks different from any big league, any professional athlete that you see anywhere else. And I, I just can't get enough of watching him play. And he's also on my fantasy team. And True. he led us to the championship last year. I might have mentioned that on a pod before, and I'll mention it again. Uh, going up on Altuve, it's a great fantasy team. Fantasy baseball starts next season to or next week too. No, and I will always have a soft spot in my heart for the Astros after playing coach pitch for a team called the Astros. And really, I mean, I would not see them, or excuse me, I would not mind seeing them in the World Series once again. But I will spoil just a little bit. I won't tell you who I have just yet. But uh, I do not have the Astros in the World Series this year. You don't? I, I do not. Well, that's called a tease. You have to stay to the end of the podcast to figure out who Lewis does have in his World Series. That's right. All right. So the second team I've got on this list 
of quote unquote super teams. I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down. This is in an order of teams that I think are the best, even though I think the Astros are gonna be the best team. I've got this kind of American League and then National League. So second on this list is the Indians. The Indians, who I believe had the best record in baseball last year, they lost in the first round to the Yankees after being up 2-0, lost three consecutive games in a short series, got beat by the Yankees. But they're also bringing back pretty much everybody. I think Carlos Santana is the only major piece that they lost, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been the same player that he was when he was younger the last couple of years. So I think this team, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they had the most wins above replacement among their starting pitching staff of any team in baseball history last year. Is it, that right? it was up there. I, I, I could not tell off the top of my head if it was – Number one, but it was obviously up there between between Kluber, Carrasco, all those guys. I mean, those guys were incredible. I think for a while, I think they were first for a while. They may have ended up, you know, coming in behind some of those '90s Braves teams. Shout out to the Braves. We're probably not going to talk enough Braves on this podcast for my liking, but we'll we'll sneak some in there at some point. But I mean, this is one of the best pitching staffs in 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 Major League history, and they bring back everybody. I mean, Kluber's back. why am I blanking? Carrasco's Carrasco, back. Trevor, Trevor, Bauer. Trevor Bauer's back. It, you know, he might only have nine and a half fingers, but that's <laughs> never hurt, you know, Jason Pierre Paul. Right. So I think this team is built around pitching. And then you got guys like Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor on offense. That's a scary team, too. No, and I'll tell you what, I will go ahead and spoil my World Series pick. The Indians are the team that I am picking to win the World Series this year because while the Astros, you know, they've obviously got the star power. They've got Jose Altuve. They've got Carlos Correa, who a lot of people are picking to win MVP this year. The Indians, I think, might be one of the most versatile teams where you've got guys like Jose Ramirez, who it doesn't matter if you put him third base, second base, left field, absolutely anywhere, he's going to be a star no matter where he's at because he just brings so many things to the table. Then you've got Francisco Lindor, who I think may be one of, if not the most, underrated superstar in baseball. When you hear about the big-time young shortstops, you hear Correa, you hear Corey Seager, and I think Lindor is right there, if not maybe – uh, a tad better than them at times. And the other thing that I'm kind of banking on for the Indians is they've got some guys coming back from injury who are not, maybe not injury, but uh, didn't play as much last year who I think are going to contribute, like Jason Kipnis, guys like Edwin Encarnacion, Michael Brantley, and especially Michael Brantley. If they can get a full season out of him at the level that he was previously producing at, that would be monstrous. Without a doubt. That's, I was going to ask you about Brantley before we moved on, so I'm glad you brought him up. A couple of years ago when the Indians first started to really compete, I mean, they weren't as good as they are now, obviously, but Brantley was really the superstar on this team. Before Lindor got there and before Jose Ramirez became what he is, it was Kluber and it was Michael Brantley. And then Brantley got hurt, missed almost all of last season. Kipnis missed a ton of last season. They played him in center field for a while, completely out of position, and this was still the best team in baseball. So you're taking who – Kipnis, who was one of the best players on the team, you're moving him back to his natural position. He's still got a lot left. And you're bringing Brantley back. What do you think they can get out of Michael Brantley specifically? Well, it's crazy because I'm looking at his Fangraphs page right now, and it doesn't feel like this long ago, but that season he had where he was an MVP candidate was all the way back in 2014, which is a little bit hard to believe. But, I mean, if he comes back, I mean, obviously I don't think he's going to be at the level he was that year. But, I mean, he's a guy who can, you know – hit 300, he can hit 20 home runs, he can steal 20 bases. He might not be elite in the outfield, but if he stays healthy, you know, he's a pretty versatile guy out there who can contribute. This is the kind of guy to me that makes these, quote, super teams so super. Because Michael Brantley, like you said, he's not going to be an MVP candidate anymore. But if Michael Brantley is the sixth or seventh best hitter on your team, that's a really good team. Well, and the Indians, in a lot of ways, are you know similar to the Astros, where 
uh, you can go down the Astros line and you can say, you know, is Marwin Gonzalez really the seventh best guy on this team? Because that guy's awesome. Yeah, and, he's really good. And, and really, feel, really good. And I feel the same way about a lot of those guys on the Indians. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think that those two teams right at the top are, I mean, two of the best teams that we've seen in a long time. And like you said, neither one of them can make the World Series. You know, you're going to have to pick one or the other, or you're going to have to pick one of the next two teams that we're going to talk about. We'll lump these guys together. The Yankees and the Red Sox. The Red Sox, who I believe were the best team in baseball two years ago, maybe? That's something like that. Right. Yeah. And then last year, I think they had the fewest home runs in the league, yet they still won the division pretty handily. Mm-hmm. But then you've got the Yankees, who are coming up, who won the wild card game last year, then beat the Indians, who had the best record in the league in the regular season, to take the Houston Astros, the, the, you know, the future World Series winner, to seven games in the ALCS. So how do you look at these two teams? I think a lot of people are just giving the division to the Yankees, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's right. What do you think? Well, I, before I even you know, go too much into these teams, I'm just curious because I, when I was preparing for this podcast, this was probably the tightest division race I focused on, of course, was the AL East, like it usually is. I mean, just who do you got between the Yankees and Red Sox? I am... I think I'm going to stick with the Red Sox. Okay. And the reason being is the Yankees lineup is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, top to bottom. I mean, you got you starts with Stanton and Judge, but then you've still got guys like Brett Gardner, you've got Greg Bird who's really good, Gary Sanchez, I who's, love Gary Sanchez. who's nobody's talking about, but he's probably the best catcher in the league now that Buster Posey's kind of tailed off. Mm-hmm. That lineup is probably going to lead the league in scoring, mm-hmm. especially in that ballpark. Oh lord. But I don't love the pitching staff. I think the pitching staff is good enough to, mm-hmm. without a doubt, make the playoffs and even win the division if everything breaks right. But I think if you're counting on guys like CC Sabathia and Masahiro Tanaka with his elbow, and I don't even know who else they've got down that list. I got uh, Severino, him and Sonny Gray. S- Severino's good. I forgot about Sonny Gray. I mean, they've got some names. I think they have, I think it's an above average pitching staff. Sure. But then you go to Boston and just look at Chris Sale, David Price. I've, Rick Porcello. I mean, he's not oh, yeah. he's not the Cy Young winner he was a couple of years he's ago. He's a but solid pitcher. He's a really solid pitcher. You got Pomeranz. You got my boy Craig Kimbrell in That's the bullpen. Right. Right. They got Carson Smith coming back. He's one of the best setup men in the league coming off of Tommy John surgery. For me, the separator is the pitching staff. I think the Red Sox are sure. going to have a good offense too, but I think that those frontline starters are going to set them apart, and I I will give them the slight edge over the over the Yankees. No, and you made some good points, and I think one thing that the Red Sox have over any team is you know their outfield is just going to be fantastic between Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Benatidney, and they're just going to be flying all over the place. And then, as good as they were winning the division, they went out and added JD Martinez, who I think is going to add a whole new dimension to that offense in the DH spot or if he you know plays the occasional corner infield or outfield there's that but I'm actually gonna have to disagree with you because I do have the Yankees winning the division this year partially because I'm not gonna lie I'm an Aaron Boone believer I know he's not managed a single major league baseball game but I think he is going to be more into the analytical side of baseball you know he's obviously not like one of these nerdy sabermetricians in there just analyzing all the data but one of the things that I always kind of ticked me off about Joe Girardi was kind of the way he treated Gary Sanchez. It's like Gary Sanchez made a couple errors, you know, had a few mental lapses, and all of a sudden Girardi's saying, you know, we're getting this guy out of the game, and Austin Romine's going in there. When in actuality, Gary Sanchez is backed up by pretty much every offensive and defensive measure there is. And Gary Sanchez, I am not saying he will be an MVP candidate this year, but of all the dark horses, the guys who could just shock us all and hit 40 to 50 home runs, I think he's one of them. And what I'll give the Yankees, I promise this is the last time I will ever say anything positive about the Yankees, 
I think other than Craig Kimbrell, they've got pretty much all of the good relievers in this matchup between the Sox and the Yankees, between Chapman, David Robertson, Dale Batances, Chad Green. I mean, that's a bullpen I would go to war with. That is a good point. And that's, that's something I really probably didn't give enough weight when I was looking at this matchup because while the Yankees' starting rotation isn't up, I, I would take the Red Sox starters over the Yankees without sure. a doubt, almost sure. to a man. You know, Severino's good, and Sonny Gray is a really solid second or third starter. But other than those guys, I want the Red Sox. Yeah. But especially when you get to the playoffs, the Yankees could make it, you know, a four or five inning game. Yep. If they can take the lead into the fifth inning and turn it over to those guys, I mean, it could be shut down. But at the same time, yeah, Batantis, who was the rock before last year, mm-hmm. he was almost unplayable in the he postseason. Struggled. He struggled. So and, I, and it, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say there's there's been some rumors coming out of there about how the relationship between Batantis and the Yankees isn't the best, and he might be a potential trade candidate. Is he a Scott Boris guy? I I couldn't tell you. I don't know if it's Scott Boris, but I have you know read where his agent is really encouraging him to you know seek other options. And and the other thing that you kind of previously alluded to is that if the Yankees have to give 150 plus innings to CC Sabathia, that may pose some issues at any point in the season. Without a doubt, I heard. I think it was on the Ringer today as well. The second Ringer shout out in this podcast. <laughs> Go to the Ringer; it's a good website. Um, someone compared CC Sabathia to kind of a, a late period Andy Pettit. Okay. You know, the the left-handed, doesn't have the same stuff he had in his prime, but once the playoffs roll around, he's been there. He has good command. He knows how to get guys out, and he can be a solid contributor. And I think CC showed that in the playoffs last year. I think he was solid. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but mm-hmm. this is an informal podcast. You know, we're not diving too deep here. But I think that if you can get there, guys like CC will play up in the playoffs. And I might take the Yankees in a playoff series over the Red Sox, but I think over the long haul – that starting rotation will carry the Red Sox to that division. division. No, that'll be a fun division to watch for sure. I think it, those two teams that might be the best race in the league, just because mm-hmm. the rest. I mean, the rest of these divisions have a team on top that I don't see anyone beating. Oh, and last year the division races were just horrific. I mean, that was one of the one times in my life that I thought maybe that second wild card wasn't the worst I'd be in the world. But uh, yeah, that'll be a good division race. I mean, even in the American League, you look in the in the West, you've got the Astros, who I can't see the Astros not winning that division. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the Indians in the Central. Who the Central might have the AL Central might have the three worst teams in baseball. They're horrific. I mean Kansas City, Detroit, and um, the White Sox. Yeah, that's might three, yeah. might be the three. They're three of the worst five teams in the league. And then the Twins are solid, but the Twins probably aren't going to win that division. They, so them and the Angels might battle for a wild card spot. Maybe you get right. a team from the East like the Orioles or the Blue Jays, but I'm not too big on them. Yeah, I mean the Rays are always better than you think they're going to be. But I think you're right. I think. The winner, uh, the Yankees or the Red Sox are going to battle out for that East Division crown. The, whoever comes in second is going to be the first wild card. And then you're going to have the Angels, maybe the Twins, possibly the Rays or the Blue Jays. But I think that that East Division is one of the most intriguing races out there this year. And part of the reason is because, it's like I said just a second ago, every other division has one super team in it, which mm-hmm. carries us seamlessly. That's called a segue, friends, into the, Amer- or into the National League, if I could speak. We'll start out west with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers have been one of my favorite teams to watch for a long time for one simple reason, and that is because Clayton Kershaw is a magician. You turn on – there are a few things I, lo- I love more in sports than turning on the MLB network late game on any day of the week because it's always the Dodgers. And when Clayton Kershaw is pitching, I just love sitting back and watching that guy play baseball. No, the only two guys – I mean, and I, I have MLB TV, which is probably the best investment anybody listening can ever make. I would highly recommend getting it. Uh, that's a shield for y'all. Cut uh, that check, MLB TV. Exactly. 
Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout are the two guys who it does not matter if they are playing on the West Coast at 11 o'clock and they're playing a team like the Padres. I've got to watch those two guys every single time. And Kershaw especially I'm excited to see this year because you know he came back towards the end of last year. It looked good, but you know wasn't quite uh, – his peak, I'm guessing with a full offseason of rest, you know, some solid spring training reps, he's going to be back in prime form, and I'm just ready to see him mowing down the AL, excuse me, the NL West again. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about Kershaw going into this year because it's two years in a row that he's missed time with the back injuries. Mm-hmm. And back injuries always make me nervous. Steve Kerr said after he had his back surgery, that if you can ever avoid back surgery, avoid it at all costs. Because when stuff goes wrong in your back with your spine, I mean, that can just derail an athlete's entire career. So I hope he gets that straightened out. But when he's healthy, he is the most fun pitcher to watch in the league for me because he has an amazing, I mean, first of all, amazing command of every pitch he's got. He throws 95-96 with his fastball. Then he's got a curveball and a slider, which, you know, for people that don't dive as deep into baseball as we do, that's incredibly difficult. Guys mm-hmm. don't throw both of those pitches. They're both breaking balls. They're similar pitches. And go back a few months ago and listen to our most interesting players in sports to watch podcast with me and Austin. Austin did a really good job of, of describing Kershaw's breaking stuff. It's incredible to watch. But I just love watching him pitch, and I hope he's healthy going into this year. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to rain on the Dodgers' parade here in a second. But before I do that, you know, I'm going through their lineup, and I mean, you've got guys like Cody Bellinger who's going to hit 30 home runs. You've got Corey Seager, who I think would be maybe one of the smartest picks in Vegas to win the MVP this year in the National League. Really? Just because, I mean, everyone's going to bet on Bryce Harper. Everyone's going to bet on guys like that, uh, like him and Chris Bryant, whereas Corey Seager, after that back Spain, back, kind of back injury he had, flying under the radar just a little bit. You know, when Justin Turner gets healthy, he is a fantastic third baseman. Uh, I love, oh, I don't love, but I like their outfield guys like Jock Peterson, Yasiel Puig, who I'm still... Puig is still in the league. He People is. don't talk about him anymore. And I'm ride or die with Yasiel Puig <laughs> to the death of me. Now, however, the only things that I have to take against the Dodgers is that usually in their rotation, they've got that solid second guy behind Clayton Kershaw, you know, like a Zach Greinke type pitcher. And this year, you look at their rotation, you tell yourself, well, is that going to be Rich Hill? Is that going to be Alex Wood? King to my 80, my 80, excuse me. I'm just not sure about that. And I mean, obviously, Kenley Jansen is one of the one of, if not the best, relief pitcher in the league. I mean, he is a joy to watch. However, after him, uh, their bullpen's dire at, at this not point. Not a lot down there. I hate to say it, but Kenley Jansen might have overtaken my boy, our boy, the informal podcast's boy, Craig Kimbrell, as oh, the best reliever in, in Major League in Baseball. In this past year, season, 100%. Oh, I mean, yeah. he is he is the new world Mariano Rivera. He just throws 95-mile-an-hour cutters every pitch, and no one can touch it. And I'm getting MLB the show for the first time up here soon, and I haven't played a baseball game since MVP 2005, but my brother texts me a list of all the players who are rated in a, rated a 99 in the game, like Mike Trout uh, and some other guys, and Kenley Jansen was on that list, and it, it, that kind of took me by surprise for a minute, but I mean, he is the top of, at, at his position, that's for sure. Without a doubt, it hurts me to say it, because I do love Craig Kimbrell, but he is, at this point, he's the best reliever in the league, and he has been one of the top two or three for a long time. But like you said, there's not a lot left in that bullpen after him. I mean, Singrani's there. Stripling is fine, I guess. But, um, I mean, you look at their rotation, it really is. It's Kershaw and a bunch of question marks. Mm-hmm. Rich Hill, when he's healthy, is really, really good. 
Rich right? Hill has one of the best curveballs I've ever seen, but uh, he dealt you know he dealt with some finger issues last year. Had like a recurring blister type deal, which is kind of weird. But you don't like having your pitchers having problems with their hands. It's no, not, that's, it, that's, it's, it's not optimal. Yeah, let me look at Aaron Sanchez last year. When when those blisters start popping up, they're tough to go away. But when he's healthy, he's really good. Alex Wood was really good last year. Maeda is solid. You got. Ryu coming back? Is he gonna? Have you heard anything about I've him? I've heard absolutely nothing about him. Now a name that I completely forgot about. So now that Julio Urias should be up there. I'm reading. It says about a week ago. It said he's progressed throwing from 120 feet. So he must be dealing with some more shoulder injuries than I previously thought. It wasn't Tommy John for him, was it? He I, had surgery. He had surgery. I don't believe it was Tommy John though. But if they can get anything out of him, I think going into next year, he could be a guy that could be a potential frontline starter. But I don't know that they can count on it this year. He's so young. He's I only mean, 21. I mean, he's got plenty of time. So young. So young. But, I mean, the last thing I've got – well, first of all, before we move on from the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, you you said that he's going to hit 30 home runs, and he probably will. But what makes him different than a guy like Jock Peterson, who came up a few years ago, had a great rookie season, and then you know, hit for a lot of power, a lot of swing and miss, you know, a lot of holes in that swing. Mm-hmm. And then Jock Peterson's come back, and he struggled to stay in the big league. So what makes Cody Bellinger different as a player than Jock Peterson? I and mean, that's honestly, you know, really a pretty good question because they're two, I mean, at face value, fairly similar players. Now, obviously, Jock Peterson, when he came into the league, everybody knew he was a three-true-outcomes guy. He's going to hit a home run. He's going to strike out. He's going to take a walk. And, you know, he had that great rookie season, and then all of a sudden, you know, the guy, you know, I don't know if it's a plate discipline thing. I don't know if he's dealing with any other issues, but it just seems like, you know, he's not taking those walks. He's not finding ways to get on base when the holes in the swing are apparent, when guys have figured him out. Whereas Cody Bellinger, there was that moment when pitchers figured him out last year, and he had, I think, a month or so where he really struggled relatively. But then that last month, month and a half of the season, he was right back in the mix of things and uh, made a str- Did he win Rookie of the Year last year? Uh, I can't remember. Yes, did I think he? so. In the American, in the National League, I think he did, yeah, because I picked Dansby, Swan- Dansby Swanson oh, and that didn't work out. Yeah, I, I think I did as well. That yeah, was that a bad decision. That didn't work out at all. Um. But yeah, I'm looking at his stats right now. He's, his strikeout rate is over 25%, <laughs> which is high. But yeah. I mean, in in today's game, it's that happens. 2018. Yeah, that that happens. We do have a 12% walk rate. Yeah, I'll say that's what, what I was going to say next. His walk rate's almost 12%. He batted 267, which you know, average is not the end all be all. His OBP is over 350. But yeah. I think if you if he can keep that average above 250, keep walking at the rate he's at, I could see him being a very productive major leaguer, even oh, yeah. a, you know, an all star, a borderline superstar, even. But and speaking of young guys, I mean, he's 22. He could figure out a whole other level and move on up. He could. We, I, I'm often guilty of seeing a guy come out and have a great rookie year and just assuming that it, he's going to regress to the mean and he's going to fall off like we've seen so many guys do. When I mean, it's possible that he's, you know, Mike Trout just keeps getting better and better and better. <laughs> and I mean, he's not Mike Trout, but you never know. If he could be, if he could just be the player he was last year for the Dodgers, they are, I mean, it's like a, they, they're right in there with the Indians and the Astros and those teams. You're right about that. All right, now I'm getting a fan graphs pop up here. Hold on. Okay, now we're back. We're back. Moving right along. That's not as good of a segue, but we're moving right along to the American or National League. I've done that twice. I've the done National that. League Central and the super team in the National League Central is the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's we right. We love the Pirates as the informal podcast. Visit PNC Park. It's great park. We love them. Great organization. But we're actually going to talk about the Cubs in this segment. Yeah. So they signed you, Darvish. They lost Jake Arrieta. I think that's an upgrade. Do you really? I, I do. I think that Jake Arrieta, at his best, is better than you, Darvish. But we haven't seen Jake Arrieta's best in, what, you know, a year and a half, year two and years. Half, yeah. So you, Darvish, had a couple of bad starts at the biggest moment last year. He didn't pitch well in the playoffs, in the World Series specifically. 
But I think going forward, I would rather buy you Darvish than buy Jake Arrieta. We discussed this the last time I was on the podcast, actually. And I, it is unfortunate that, in my opinion, you Darvish gets a bad rep because, you know, when all the casual fans were watching and when the most eyes were on him, I mean, we can't beat around the bush. You know, he sucked. He just had an awful postseason when people let that color their perception of his entire regular season and, in some cases, his whole career. At, at the end of the day, it was two starts. It was yeah. two bad starts. And he had a solid 2017. I mean, I let me pull up the numbers here in a second. But when you throw out him, you throw out Quintana, you throw out John Lester, that's three guys who, you know, you can go to war with every day. And then guys like Kyle Hendricks is pretty good. Tyler Chatwood uh, had some pretty good seasons for the Rockies. And now you put him in a place like Wrigley Field, which is by no means a pitcher's ballpark. But, I mean, it's not cores, that's for sure. Without a doubt, let me. I want to ask you about Tyler Chatwood because he's kind of a advanced stats guy. Who those those guys who are really into those advanced stats really love Tyler Chatwood. The the spin rate is great. Some of the peripherals are great, but he's been in cores his whole career, so the numbers haven't looked that good. So, do you believe in him as a guy who's coming into Wrigley? Who it can be when the wind's blowing out of Wrigley, it can be one of the biggest hitters parks in the league. But when that wind turns around. You know, it's a great pitcher's park, too. Do you believe that his stuff, when he gets into a more neutral park, can really play up and he can become a frontline rotation guy? Now, I'll say this. I'm a little biased towards Tyler Chatwood because he gave me some very strong quality starts in fantasy last year. This all comes back to fantasy baseball. It really does at the end of the day. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Tyler Chatwood, in my opinion, is not ever going to be a front-of-the-line kind of guy. I mean, he's not going to be the one who, in the postseason, you're saying that's going to be one of the first three guys I'm throwing out there. But, you know, Tyler Chatwood's your fourth or fifth guy, and every time he's going out there and giving you six, seven innings, two, three runs, uh, that's a guy you can be confident in and really not have to worry about him throughout the whole season. You know, some of these higher-profile guys, you know, like the David Prices, the Chris Archers, at times you worry about them because when they have two or three bad starts, it's like, what, are they losing it? What's the deal? Are they overrated? When Tyler Chatwood can have two or three of those bad starts, but then he'll put together like a whole summer of just consistent outings this is another guy he's kind of like Michael Brantley to me he has it's not coming back from the injury but he's a guy who can be a solid contributor and who when you put him in a rotation with John Lester and Jose Quintana and Darvish and Hendricks and he can just settle in in that fifth fifth starter spot and not have any of the pressure on him that is what takes these teams from just a good team to a quote-unquote super team Mm -hmm. I mean these guys who, I, I mean, I think about it from a Braves fan's perspective. We've got Julio Tehran, and he's been our best pitcher for you know five, six, seven years. He's been there forever. He's only like 12 years old. Yeah, exactly. He's still only like 25, but that's this is not a Braves podcast. But to me, Julio Tehran is a good major league pitcher. He's a very good major league pitcher. But if he's your best pitcher, you're not a very good team, which is where right. the Braves have been for the last half decade. But if you put were to put Julio Tehran in a rotation like this where he could slot in as the third or fourth guy, he could be very valuable. And that's what I see in Tyler Chatwood, a guy who if you're not counting on him to be the best pitcher in your rotation, he can really give that depth. And when you're running out Tyler Chatwood as your fourth or fifth guy against other teams' fourth or fifth guy, you have an instant advantage in that game. And I, just, I think that's the kind of thing that sets these teams apart from everybody around them. No, and I'm going to be honest, the Cubs are the team who, in my opinion, are coming out of the National League this year, going to the World Series. I think it'll be a rematch between them and the Indians. And really the reason I think that is because, you know, you go down the Cubs lineup and you've got a lot of really solid players, guys like Jason Hayward, guys like Kyle Schwarber, you know, you've got Aston Russell. But then the Cubs have arguably, you know, the best one-two punch in all of baseball in that three or four spot when you've got Chris Bryant, the former MVP, coming up, and you've got Anthony Rizzo, who... I mean, you can about pencil him in for 30, 35 home runs. I mean, th- those two guys, you can't pitch around either of them. I mean, Anthony Rizzo's no Freddie Freeman, but he's a solid player. <laughs> Before we get out of here, 
uh, with the with the Cubs. Before we move on from the Cubs, I've got to ask you about Kyle Schwarber. Okay. All right. He's showed up in, in training camp this year, and he's the classic best shape of his life guy. Right. He's dropped thirty pounds. He you know, looks like a whole new guy. He we know he can hit. Right. We know he can hit for power. So I've got two questions for you. One. Can he get his batting average to a level where not even his batting average? Can he get to the point where he's putting enough balls in play where his power can really play up? And two, can he get to the level on defense where he's passable? No, absolutely. I mean, we saw his rookie year. He wasn't, you know, an offensive superstar, but he's one of those guys who, when he came up, you thought, you know, this guy's looking for the long ball. He's going to either that or get on base some way, shape, or form. And last year, of course, he had his struggles. He had the injuries, but I mean, he had 30 home runs. And obviously, you know, home runs is a counting stat. If a guy gets 30 home runs and 500 at bats, that's not the, the most impressive thing in the world. But, you know, he has the potential to be a solid. Uh, hitter at pretty much all times, and the defense is interesting because you know it all goes back to where is he going to play. I mean, obviously behind the plate it's not going to work out. You've got Wilson Contreras back there, and uh, Kyle Schwarber in the outfield is a disaster waiting to happen at pretty much all times. And but he, he's in the best shape of his life, Lewis. He is. You're right about that. But I mean, at a certain point, guys like Steph Marbury were in the best shape of their lives. <laughs> I guess that's a cross sport reference. But Matt Kemp was in the best shape oh, of his God. life until he wasn't. This this is not a Titans podcast. It's not a Braves podcast, but it is a fan graphs podcast. And I've got Kyle Schwarber's fan graphs page pulled up. And we kind of lamented uh, Cody Bellinger's 26.5% strikeout rate in the last Dodgers segment. Kyle Schwarber's was almost 31%. And that's hard to swallow for that's, anybody. That's high. You know? And if you're, if you're really you know, hitting 40, 45, 50 bombs, you can live with that if you're playing solid defense. But the other thing I want to draw your attention to here is this BAPIP, his batting average on balls in play, was under 250, which is incredibly below league average. I mean, league average on that is usually up near 300. So if he can get that back up towards, I mean, that stat kind of favors fast guys anyway. So slower guys are going to have a lower BAPIP. But if he can get it closer to league average and get that batting average up to more respectable level, put a few more balls in play, Mm -hmm. his bat plays. He's just got to find a sure. spot. I mean, if he can get to below average in left field instead of atrocious, right? then, <laughs> I mean, I kind of have a soft spot for Kyle Schwarber because, I mean, once again, I had him on a fantasy team. Sure. He was on my fantasy team a couple of years ago, and he's a lot of fun to watch because he's such a good hitter. But he's just got to find a spot. This is why the DH should be in both leagues, Lewis. Well, see, I'm, I'm the opposite. I don't think there should be a DH, no. but that's a story for another the podcast. The National League should have the DH because Kyle Schwarber deserves to have a place on one of the best teams in baseball. And right now, I don't think he does because he can't play defense. Well, that's trading to the American League, then. <laughs> that's probably what's coming. We'll get to that in a minute. We're going to talk some trades before we get out of here. So put a pin in that. So the last quote-unquote super team that I want to talk about, and this is paining me to say this because I cannot stand this team. I can hardly call them a super team. I don't know. I mean, well, are they a super team? The Washington Nationals. Relative to the rest of the National League East, I suppose you can say that because I think, once again, they're going to run away with the division. But of the seven teams we've talked about, I think we can both agree they're probably the seventh best out of them. Without a doubt. I mean, they have to be lumped in with the rest of these teams for one simple reason, because they're going to win their division. Mm-hmm. Because the rest of the teams in this division just aren't ready to compete. I mean, the Braves and the Phillies have some exciting players. And I think both of those teams are going to be, you know, roughly around 500. They're going to be competitive. They're a year away from any year away. But, yeah, they're not. Neither one of them is. I mean, unless Ronald Acuna is literally Michael Tr- Mike Trout. I said Michael Trout. Mike, Mike Trout. If, <laughs> unless he's God-given name. Yeah, unless he's literally Mike Trout as soon as he comes up. The Braves aren't ready to compete. I mean, the Phillies, they added Jake Arrieta and Carlos Santana. They've got some solid players, but they're not... Too many holes. Right. they got a lot of holes. So the Nationals are going to win the division, but I don't see them being able to compete with the rest of these teams we've been talking about. 
No, absolutely, and and you know, I'll you know, I'll say a few nice things about the Nationals for a minute. They got because I'm not going to. Well, they've got so many solid players in the middle of their lineup. Guys like Daniel Murphy, who you know has been the big postseason hero lately. You've got Trey Turner, who I love to death. Anthony Rendon is one of the best all around players in baseball. Uh, and of course, I mean, what do you even have to say about Bryce Harper? He's going to be the popular pick to win MVP this year, whether anybody likes him or not. And just fun and fact, I don't. I, oh, I love him. He, he's probably <laughs> my, he's my favorite non-brave in the National League. Now, oh, the issue Lewis. with the Nationals, the issue with the Nationals is, you know, every team has holes. I get that. Their holes are the size of the ozone. <laughs> you know, I mean, Matt Weeders behind the plate. When they got him, people thought maybe he'll rebound. That never really happened. Uh, Ron Zimmerman. I, I mean, I don't even know what You don't his, believe it? You don't believe his 2017's legit? I believe he's David Wright without the concussions. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, too soon. That. Yeah. too soon. And then they've got guys who are projected to be starting. Like Michael, Michael Taylor's going to give you solid defense, but behind the plate, or excuse me, yeah, at the plate, who knows what you're going to get. And then the rotation's good. I mean, Scherzer, Strasburg, Gonzalez, that's about as good of a trio as you're going to find in the National League. But then you get to the bullpen, and first of all, you're asking yourself, well, who's closing? Is it Ryan Madsen or is it Sean Doolittle? And then after those two guys, it's like, well, who else is coming out of the bullpen? I mean, I'm looking at their roster. They've got names like Joaquin Benoit, uh, Matt Grace, guys who at one point, obviously, were pretty solid guys. But at this point, I'm not so sure about it. Brandon Kinsler had a pretty good year with the Twins last yeah, year. Yeah. I mean, they they did the the classic bullpen overhaul at the trade deadline last year because they had one of the worst bullpens oh, and it was a smart move, in yeah. the major leagues. They had to. And that's kind of what I think I kind of – I mean, a, a callback to the Astros segment from earlier. I think the Astros are probably going to do something similar this year. But I'm not as worried about that. I am worried about Matt Weeders behind the plate. I think mm-hmm. that's just a hole. I couldn't believe they didn't go get JT Real Muto. That I mean, seemed obvious. I mean, the Marlins were having a complete fire sale. They were going to give him up if you just got – Got the offer to where they're asking for. And the Nationals, this will kind of transition transition us into the next segment. The Nationals need to win it this year. This is their oh, year. Is their, their window is now. Because while Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, I'm with you. Those are two of my favorite players, to, non-Braves, to watch in the league. Those, those guys are great. Adam Eaton's really good. Daniel Murphy's a good player. But this team, is, as much as I hate to say it, their engine is Bryce Harper. He is an absolute superstar. I don't like him, mostly because he – eviscerates the Braves at every turn. But he is that team's best player. He's one of the three or four best players in the league, and he's probably gone after this year. I mean, yeah. he's a Scott Boris guy. He's not going to sign an extension. He's going to probably get a four or $500 million contract. So they need to win this year, and I think that they should have went out and got JT Real Muto. And if they would have done that, I think this would have been – they would have been able to compete with the Cubs and the Dodgers. But as it stands right now, I don't think they can. No, and before we move on, I mean, just to give Bryce Harper more love than he ever deserves, I mean, at very worst, worst-case scenario, he'll fight through some injuries. He'll, you know, go through some slumps. He's, at, at worst, going to be a very solid player. Bryce Harper, when he's healthy, when he's on, when he's locked in, he's the only guy in baseball who, in my opinion, uh, can compete with Mike Trout. I mean, Bryce Harper is po- probably a better all-around hitter than Mike Trout when he's on. And I... I in a weird sort of way, I hope that's the case this year because I do want to see more of that. I mean, it was only 2015 when he won the National League MVP, and I'm just going to read you his slash line here. Batting average, 330. On-base percentage, 460. <laughs> I mean, that's that's near Bonds level. Yeah. On base. That's all, 46% of the time this guy was getting on base. OPS, over 1,100. He led the league in OPS and OPS+. Plus. 42 homers. And guess what? He's 25 years old. Yeah, he's younger than me, all right? And that's another reason I can't stand him as a person. I'm yeah. older than this guy, and he is – I might have to agree with you. He, when he's on and when he's healthy, he might be the best hitter in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is has a combination of 
pure average as a pure hit tool and pure power, raw power, that really no one else can compete with. I mean, Trout's close, but he doesn't quite have the pure power Bryce Harper has. So, I mean, when he leaves, we assume he's going to leave. There's, yeah. I guess that the Nationals have a lot of money. They could pay for him if they wanted to, but I don't think it's going to happen. He's hitting the free agent market. That's I think, he, yeah, he's going to hit the free agent market, and once that happens, you never know what's going to happen. Right. And after this guy's gone, I mean, this is still a good team. I don't think they're going to tank like some other teams have. Yeah. They're still going to be competitive, but they're not going to be able to compete for championships like they should have been doing for the last three or four years. And you would expect at that point for the Braves and Phillies to – Start making a run with all the young talent they have. I really hope so. I really hope so. We'll talk about the Braves. We're gonna we're gonna do a small Braves segment before we get out of here. We're gonna have to. Perfect. But but that kind of of these seven teams we've talked about, which one could you see missing the playoffs altogether? I mean, we've already said that we think the Nationals are clearly a seventh, the seventh out of the seven of these teams. I right. think we think they're the worst of this upper tier, but. We've also said that no one in that division is really ready to challenge them. So of these teams, who could you see faltering? Who could you see being a little worse than we think? Who could you see having someone else in their division sneak up and, and even take the division from them? I mean, the Nationals, I mean, that's the obvious one just because, you know, things can happen. They're not the best team. If Bryce Harper, God forbid, has to deal with any sort of uh, sustained injury, that would, of course, tank their season. It could happen. Yes, he's, he's been known to get hurt. Other than the Nationals, I think the team you would be most likely to see miss the playoffs would be one of those AL East, AL East teams, excuse me, either the Red Sox or the Yankees. You know, the Yankees, of course, they've got Stanton. They've got Judge. They have all this power. But, I mean, Aaron Boone, what if he turns out to be uh, Bobby Valentine? What if he turns out to be one of these TV guys who just isn't a good manager and, you know, you deal with some bad luck and things just don't work out for you? Or what if you're the Red Sox and some of those holes that you've got, like behind the plate in Christian Vasquez or maybe Hanley Ramirez just doesn't show up. I mean, Hanley Ramirez has a weird career of one season he's one of the best hitters in baseball and the next season he's just totally useless. So. And are they going to get anything out of Dustin Pedroia? I mean, he's coming off of hand and wrist injuries too, and that's something you don't want to see out of a hitter. It's he tough is, for hitters yeah. to get that strength in their hands back when they've been hurt. And I love Dustin Pedroia, but yeah, I mean, anytime when you have a guy who has a history of injuries, and uh, you know, at, at his age, he's not old, but you know, he's obviously uh, on the wrong side of thirty. Uh, that could obviously happen, without a doubt. I I want to agree with you on the AL East thing, but I think that I think those two teams are good enough where their worst-case scenario is something in the high 80s when it comes to wins, 87, 88 wins. Probably I think, still win the wild card. Yeah, I think they'd still get a wild card. I don't believe in any, any of the other teams in that division. I think – I'm going to give you two. First of all, I, I will say the Nationals because I don't think the Nationals – there's just something about the Nationals that I don't trust. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, Harper seems to get injured every year, and they always seem to battle injuries. I mean, Rendon gets hurt. Um, Trey Turner Strasburg, gets hurt. Obviously. Strasburg – Strasburg could be the best pitcher in the league, but I mean, I hate to be the guy that says this, but it always seems like if any kind of adversity hits Steven Strasburg, he's yep. taken two weeks off. Well, he's a pretty popular uh, Cy Young bet this year when it's funny to say that because I think every time the temperature creeps above 90 degrees, Strasburg just shuts down. Well, I, I said that I really dislike Bryce Harper because he murders the Braves. Strasburg has never pitched well against the Braves because no. it's over 90 degrees in Atlanta exactly. and he can't handle it. He's a guy who is very similar to Harper to me, whereas where in the fact that if he could put together 30 starts, if he could put together a full 200-inning season, I think he wins the Cy Young. Sure. But he just can't do it. He's, oh, he's all, as good as Scherzer, for sure. Without a doubt. But he, he misses two weeks here, two weeks there. You know, he he comes out of starts early. I just don't trust him. And he kind of typifies – he kind of personifies this team to me, I guess, in a way, where they all kind of seem like that to me, where I just don't trust him. And the team that I think could come up and maybe steal his division from him is the Mets. 
And I don't really? think it's going to happen. I'm not going to pick it to happen. I'm going to pick the Nationals to win this division. But I think, I mean, Noah Syndergaard was throwing 101 in spring training. And everybody kind of reaction to that was, oh, no, he's going to get hurt. What if he doesn't get hurt? Yeah. What if he puts together a full season? He could be the best pitcher in the league. And I love Noah Syndergaard. The, the Mets, I, I, I just – I have absolutely zero faith that him and Jacob DeGrom and Matt Harvey and all those guys are at one time going to, one, stay healthy, and two, put everything together. Because Matt Harvey, I mean, he's one of those guys who, I mean, obviously he is not prime Matt Harvey anymore. It seems hard to say that because he's not old. But uh, even if he stays healthy, I mean, what are you going to get out of him? Because he has lost multiple miles per hour off his fastball. I think he's a guy who, if you're the Mets, you want – one of those kind of Tyler Chatwood seasons out sure. of him, like we were talking about earlier. Just to see that it's still there. Yeah, yeah. Give us, you know, 160 innings of MLB average. Solid, yeah, pitching. Be solid. If they can get that out of them, I think they'll take it. But I think that DeGrom and Syndergaard, when healthy, are one of the best one-two punches mm-hmm. in the major leagues. And I think I like DeGrom even more. DeGrom, honestly. he's more consistent for sure. Yeah. He's more consistent for sure. His, you know, ceiling might not be quite as high, but it's pretty high. He's He's very good. Cespedes is still really good. Oh, yeah. I think Michael Conforto is underrated. I think if sure. he can stay on the field, he's a very good player. You know, and you got they picked up Todd Frazier for cheap. Sure. Todd Frazier is a good major leaguer. Travis Darno is a good defensive catcher. It's not a great team, all right? You're going through the going through the fan graphs depth chart here. It's not a great team. But if the Nationals falter, if they have a couple of injuries, I mean, that Bryce Harper free agency situation is going to be hanging over their head all year. Sure. You know, I could see that team, if it starts going south, I could see it going south in a hurry. And if they end up in the mid-80s with wins, I think the Mets could win 87 or 88 games if everything goes right. So those are all very solid points. And unfortunately, the only point I have to refute that is, you know, to assume that happens, you also have to assume that God is going to smile on the New York Mets. And I don't (laughs) believe that's going to happen. You make a good point. And like I said, I'm not picking this to happen. I'm just giving you a potential scenario of if it starts going south for the Nationals, I think the Mets could sneak in there if their pitching stays healthy. The other one I'm going to give you it, and this might this might cause a little bit of debate here because you said that you had these guys in your World Series, but I'm going to give you the Chicago Cubs mm-hmm. because I really like what the Brewers are doing. I like what the Brewers are doing. The Cardinals are always going to be solid. You have the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are the best who are the best organization in Major League Baseball. I think that division's a little bit underrated, and I think that Jason Hayward, while he's still a very good defensive player, he might just be a zero on offense. Sure, Kyle Schwarber could be a zero on defense. He could be unplayable. He could be, yeah. I mean, Schorber, if Schorber is atrocious in the outfield and does not find the swing he had his rookie year, you, you're right. You can't play him. I mean, for as bad as he's been in the outfield, and, you know, like we, we joked, he's in the best shape of his life. <laughs> if he can't be passable in the outfield, if he's Matt Kemp level in the outfield, he has to be an absolutely elite hitter. Yep. And if he's not, they can't play him. Right. And, and oh, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you can make your point. Well, I was going to say, I'll, I'll be totally honest in the NL Central. I am a little more worried about the Cardinals than I am the Brewers in terms of competing for that division. I think the Brewers, and I'll, I'll, I kind of lump the Brewers in with the Diamondbacks from last year. I think they've both overachieved to a pretty significant level. And not to say that they won't compete for the wild card, because I think they both obviously will. I don't see either the Brewers or the Diamondbacks really being that big contenders. I was going to ask you about the NL West, about the Diamondbacks, about the Giants. The Giants added, you know, Longoria and McCutcheon. It's an even year. Yeah, That's it's, all an, I it, say. it's an even year. The Giants won the World Series in even years. Everybody knows that. The Rockies made the playoffs last year, right? That that would have been a wild card game. So, yeah. I was. Do you think any of those teams could potentially challenge the Dodgers? I think 
I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I guess I'm tempting even your magic. I don't think the Giants have much of a chance just because they really weren't much of anything until the end of the season last year when they started playing a little bit better, and I don't see that happening, really. I, I know Longoria and McCutcheon technically make the team better, but not to the point where they're going to compete for the division. The Diamondbacks and Rockies are interesting because those are two young teams who I think have a lot to prove and are theoretically just a couple players away uh, making that leap from being contenders for the division. But I do think the Dodgers, I mean, their payroll is just so high. I mean, there's a reason why they've had the best team in that division for years because they consistently pay top dollar for the best players. And it, it would take a pretty big stroke of luck for the other teams to, I think, win that division. Without a doubt. I mean, you said the Diamondbacks overachieved, and I agree with you. I think they did overachieve. Their pitching last year was one – they had one of the best starting rotations in the league based oh, on yeah. results. But you look at that – that rotation and it's basically Grinky and Corbin and Taiwan Walker. I mean, Grinky's good. Grinky's really good. He's he might be overpaid, but he's still a solid starter. The rest of those guys, I don't trust them. You know, and they've still got Goldschmidt, who is one of the best hitters in the league. I love they, Goldschmidt. But they lost JD Martinez, and JD Martinez might be the reason they made the playoffs last year. I mean, he was easily the second best offensive player on that team. I mean, in the second half after they traded for him, he might have been the best offensive oh, yeah. player on the team. He's I mean, he fantastic. his his August and September were unbelievable, and they don't. You know they're not bringing him back. I made the the point on our off season recap podcast that I think Jared Dyson might be able to give them as much value mm-hmm. as J D Martinez did, and on paper that might be true based on pure defense and and base running. But I mean, you take that bat. What, they're gonna miss that bat. They're yeah. gonna miss that bat without a doubt. I think in that division, I'm with you. I don't think the Dodgers have anything to worry about. I'm gonna defend the Brewers a little bit because you know back to the NL Central. I think that they did overachieve last year, but. They didn't just stand pat in the offseason. Sure. They went out. They got Lorenzo Cain, who I think is very underrated. Solid. He's a very good baseball player. I was kind of hoping the Braves would go out and spend a little money on him to go with Ender Inciarte and Acuna. I think that's a solid outfield, but they didn't do that. They didn't want to spend any money this year, which is understandable. I think Lorenzo Cain's very good. I think Christian Yelich is a, another guy who's really underrated. He's an all-star caliber player. He's a very good player. So you got those two guys in the outfield with um, Danny Santana, who or Domingo, Domingo Santana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say Danny yeah, Santana, who is a very solid player, only 25, could keep getting better. And Keon Broxton, Keon Broxton is a guy who going into last season, he was getting some like under the radar, you know, dark horse MVP buzz mm-hmm. as a guy who could come out. He's a power speed defense guy. He's got all the tools. If he could just put it together, he could push that team over the top. And I don't love their rotation. Their rotation's not great. It's never been great. It doesn't seem like they're ever have you know a quality pitching staff, but that's a team that's going to score a lot of runs. And maybe I'm missing something. You know, I, I like the Brewers. I don't love them. What's the deal with Ryan Braun? Is he going to play a lot? He might play first base. Good, Because, yeah, I think mean, they're outfield, and they've got Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Domingo Santana. Like, that's, that's three guys right there who are better than Ryan Braun at this point. I think Cam Broxton's probably better than Ryan Braun, too. Yeah, and it, it looks like Fangraphs has Braun getting his most at-bats at first base behind Eric Thames, who... Uh, I mean, his, the first month of last season was absolutely magical watching him come back from Korea. But, I mean, obviously, he regressed to the mean pretty hard and is probably only going to continue doubt. doing so. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's kind of weird thinking that Ryan brought at one point. You couldn't get the guy out, and now it's like, can you put him on the field? He's a guy who he, he got paid. He signed his extension at the best possible time. He's at a point now where they can't move that contract. Oh, I'll respect cash out. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're all about players getting paid. And good for him. I don't blame him at all. But the Brewers are in a position where they can't get rid of him. Mm-hmm. They're probably their best move would for him to just not be on the roster and for them to get a more you know versatile guy who could help in more ways. I think they're probably going to end up putting him at first base most of the time. 
like you said, I don't think Eric Thames is – I mean, he had a really great you know first month to six weeks of last season. After that, he was nothing special at all. No. I mean, Ryan Braun, if you can put him at first base, if he can be a solid defensive first baseman, I don't know if he can or not. He was an awful defensive third baseman. If he can be solid on defense and just give you, you know, twenty home runs, maybe twenty home runs, you know, give some decent rate stats, get on base, he'll be fine. He's way overpaid for what he is at this point, but I mean, that's the nature of baseball. You overpay old players. That's what you do. But they've got Jonathan VR. They got Orlando Arcia, a lot of young guys who could take another step. And I think that this is the kind of team whose variance is high enough where their best case scenario could be, you know, 90 to 92 wins. Maybe win that division, yeah. They could win the division. I think they could. I don't think they will, but I think they could. Is there, they're, they're, they're good, not great. Good, not great. Exactly. Are there any other teams that we haven't talked about to this point that you think could make some noise, that could be interesting to watch? That I mean, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I'm going to throw this team out there just because I love the players they have. I don't really think they make much of a run, but it would be the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, Mike Trout, I mean, obviously, in his entire career, they've not made much noise at all with him, but with Mike Trout on the team, you know they're at least going to be watchable. And with between him, between Shoatani, between Andrelton and Simmons, they're at least going to be the most fun team to watch in baseball. I think I've probably got them winning somewhere from 80 to 85 games. Uh, maybe they can overachieve a little bit and compete for a wild card. But uh, once you, if you can get into the playoffs, that's all that matters. If you're one of the 10 teams that makes it, you can make a run. So hopefully I mean, the Angels are that, that, in, are that team. In theory, I agree with you. But when you have Mike Trout, who is 0-3 in his playoff career and is a notorious playoff choke artist, I don't know that you can win any games in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know if you call a guy a choke artist yeah. when his you know best starting pitcher is Garrett Richards, who I think is throwing maybe eighty seven at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's a complete joke. Mike Trout is the most fun. I, I I said that I have the most fun watching Jose Altuve, and that's true. But Mike Trout's right behind him. He's sure. the, he's the best player of our generation. He's probably going to be the the best player of our lifetime. I love watching this team. Makes no sense to me. I'm looking at the depth chart. It's Mike Trout. It's Cole Calhoun. It's Justin Upton. That should be one of the best outfields in the league. Then you got Andrelton Simmons, who. I'm, every time I think about Andrelton Simmons, I get so mad that the mm-hmm. Braves traded him for Sean Newcomb. I mean, Sean Newcomb might end up being an MOB pitcher, but Andrelton Simmons is I'm, a small sidetrack. One of my favorite experiences at a Major League Baseball stadium came at Turner Field in the last year that, that the Braves played in Turner Field. I was there early. We were there early to watch batting practice. And Andrelton Simmons was just out at shortstop fielding ground balls. Mm-hmm. And just watching him field ground balls was, was special. I mean, it was an emotional experience for me. It was incredible to watch a guy who is that talented, the best at what he does when it comes to shortstop defense, to just watch him do his thing was incredible to me. He's an unbelievable baseball player. They added Zach Cozart. They added Ian Kinsler. Well, I, I mean, that team should be very good. Garrett Richards, if he's healthy, is a very good, very good pitcher. You know, Tyler Stats, Tyler Skaggs is fine. Shoemaker has been good. At times, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess I'm answering my own question because the lineup should be very good and then I'm getting over here to the pitching staff and it's like I mean, if Otani is one of the best five pitchers in the league, I guess they could win the division, mm-hmm. but no, There's not a lot there. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on the Angels because obviously they probably shouldn't make that much noise. But if anybody wants just an odd fan graphs bio page to read go to show because i bet he's the only player in the history of baseball or at least especially in the last 20 years who is projected to hit 15 home runs and strike out 11 guys for nine innings <laughs> shohei otani should be one of the most fun players to watch this year i really hope he is he's had a rough spring yeah oh, but i don't care if he sucks it'll be fun to watch <laughs> he's gonna be great i really hope that they commit to him playing offense i did too excuse me because they you know the 
they're still managed. They st- well, I can't think of the manager's name. What's the Socha, name? Socha. Socha. They're still managed by Mike Socha. He's been managing that team for like 50 years. I don't know why he's still there. Nobody likes him. He's not good. His but players don't like him. Up, yeah, they keep bringing him back. He seems like the guy who Otani's going to go 0 for his first eight, and he's never going to get another at bat. Right. And I really hope that they don't do that. I hope they commit to it. I hope they at least let him hit three or four times a week because we – I mean, we've been watching baseball our whole lives, Lewis. We've never seen someone who's no. done both. We, I mean, we've seen guys like CeCe Sabathia and Carlos Zambrano and Madison Bumgarner who are good hitters for pitchers, but we've never seen a guy who was legitimately a major league hitter and a major league pitcher. Now, the best uh, hitting pitcher I believe I ever saw, or at least in person, was Mike Hampton. That's for sure. But, I mean, <laughs> Shotani, if he's a kind of guy who can give you, you know, two wins on the mound and two wins at the plate, that would be incredible in my opinion. It would be great. I just want to see it. You okay. know, even if it doesn't work out, even if he's not an all-star on both sides, I just want to see him try it. Yep. And I want to see him commit to it for a full season and see if it can work out. Why, he's the modern-day Babe Ruth. <laughs> the Japanese Babe Ruth. It's going to be great. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Is there any other teams you want to talk about before we move on to some specific players? We're running a little bit long, but we knew we would, so I let's mean, just keep rolling. We can talk Braves here at the end of the podcast if you want, but I bet that'd be about it for me. Yeah, I'm, we're going to save the Braves. We'll have the Braves at the end. That way, if people don't love the Braves, which I don't know why you wouldn't love the Braves. They're you can, to watch. Yeah, you can get out of it at the end. But what I want to do before that is I think another big theme of the season this year is going to be the 2018 free agent class. Sure. It's going to be one of the best free agent classes we've ever seen. And just some of the highlights here, Harper, Manny Machado, Josh Donaldson, Charlie Blackman, Clayton Kershaw could opt out. Yep. I mean, you're talking about superstars that could switch teams next offseason. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch over the course of this year how that affects these teams. Mm-hmm. I've already kind of alluded to the way I think the national season could possibly go. If they start out slow – you know, Bryce Harper is not known for being the best clubhouse guy. Mm-hmm. If he starts making a little noise, you know, that free agency is hanging over him the whole season. You got the same thing with Machado in Baltimore. I don't think Baltimore is going to be good. Are they going to have to trade him? Donaldson in in Toronto. What do you, how do you see some of these guys? What do you see? How do you see this playing out over the course of the summer? I guess with some of these big free agents. Yeah, no, and that's always an interesting point. You know, if any of those teams stumble out of the gate, or you know, not even stumble, but just literally bottom out, you know, they would be dumb not to at least test the market, see what they can get for those guys. Now, typically, I tend to be a little more on the conservative side in terms of you know shopping superstars because you know the Nationals can shop Bryce Harper all they want, but chances are the odds they get face value in return for him are. Slim to none. You're not going to get Bryce Harper value for Bryce Harper. There's no possible way. No, absolutely not. But if, say, you know, something happens here at the deadline where the Nationals are five games out of first place here at the deadline, things aren't looking good for them, they're dealing with injuries, and, like, you know, maybe someone floats the idea of, like, just a blockbuster trade, like if Baltimore calls them up and says, you know, let's switch superstars, let's see if we can sign these guys to extensions or at the very least make things interesting, see if they can come to an agreement. That would be an incredible trade because it would never happen. It would never happen. I can't imagine a scenario where it would happen, but I mean, that would be one of the only times you could trade Bryce Harper and get fair value is if you got Manny Machado. I think Manny Machado is actually the best player on this list of free agents. I think he's a better all around player than Bryce Harper just because of the consistency. I think he's a better defender. He's almost, uh, almost Harper's equal on offense. And I think that he's a guy who the Orioles have to trade. I mean, yeah, he's objectively a better player on defense, that's for sure. Now, Machado, I will say, I mean, when he's on, he probably is a more consistent player than Harper. Uh, I think that's a pretty fair talking point. Uh, it's just the upside of Harper. I mean, I really just cannot do enough to describe uh, what Harper is at the plate when he's locked in. I mean, you're a Bryce Harper fanboy. We yep, all know yep. it. It's fine. I mean, we all have our faults. I won't blame you too much for that. 
I love Manny Machado. I think that the Orioles have to trade him this year because the Orioles aren't going to compete, and he's not re-signing there. He's a Boris guy. He's going to get probably four hundred fifty or five hundred million dollars next year. <laughs> he's the third baseman of the future for the Yankees. Everybody knows it. I yep. think. I mean, if you think he's going to go somewhere else, feel free to to talk about that. But how, if you're the Orioles going into the season, how do you approach this? What do you what do you do? Because I think you have to trade him. But I mean, what would you do if you're the GM of the Orioles? At this at this point, I think they're almost just screwed in regards to Manny Machado. I mean, it, it feels like to me moving him to shortstop is like a panic move. Are make. they doing that? Is that for sure? Uh, he's projected to get his most at bats at um shortstop this year for the Orioles, and he's projected yeah, 644 plate appearances at shortstop. I love it. I and, love um, that. I love that. Yeah, which, which once again, I mean, it's all well and dandy. I'm sure he'll be a fine shortstop, but it just reeks of, you know, stay here, we'll let you play where you want to play. But, I mean, if he looks at the Orioles situation, you know, oh my who's around him? I mean, Jonathan Scope's pretty good. Uh, Chris Davis. Chris Davis. I mean, yeah, Adam Jones is playable, I guess. There's just not much really around him. Uh, in my opinion. Alex Cobb, Lewis. They just signed Alex Cobb the other day. Yeah, I'm looking at their short rotation. And I mean, between him and Kevin Gaussman, one of those guys is going to be the opening day starter. I mean, our good friend Blake Gandy has been driving the Kevin Gaussman train for years. And eventually, you know, Blake keeps telling me, eventually he's going to break out. He's an LSU guy, and he's going to be great. And we haven't seen it yet. Kevin but- Gaussman is like the Hellman's mayonnaise of opening day <laughs> pitchers. He's, he's exactly what you think he is. He's exactly what you think <laughs> he is. That's fantastic. I if I'm the GM of the Orioles, I agree with you. I think they've just painted themselves into a corner here. Mm-hmm. I think you have to attack Machado three years ago with the extension. You have to offer him $250 million. You got to offer him $300 million. And if he turns it down, as much as painful as it is, he turns it down. Yeah. He turns it down, and you got to trade him. Because the Orioles, I mean, they were winning that division for a couple of years. But last year, I think last year was the year. I think you should have traded him going into last year. Because. No one thought the Orioles were going to make the playoffs last year. Everyone knew the Yankees and the Red Sox were going to be better, and you still got two years of Manny Machado to sell. At this point, you've only got one, and every day you wait to trade him, he's losing value. I don't know who the Orioles' GM is, but I feel like he's about to lose his job if he doesn't blow this team up because it's just over. I mean, it's too late, I think. It's too late. You can't. Uh, who has value now? Manny Machado, you can trade him. You're going to be able to trade Manny Machado <laughs> for something good. He's mm-hmm. an incredible player. He's... I think I've already said I think he's the best player going into free agency next year, but he's only going to have by the time the trade the trade deadline gets here, you know, two months left of control. So you're not going to be able to get a ton for him. You can't trade Chris Davis; his contract's too steep. You can't trade Adam Jones because he's the face of your franchise and he's not good anymore. Right. You know, I mean, Tim Beckham, Trey Mancini. Who do they have? They don't have anybody. To that trade. and I mean, can you imagine us getting to the deadline and the Orioles not being? More than five games out of first place because I the, the Orioles excuse me the Red Sox and Yankees are just leagues ahead of them. I think the Blue Jays are considerably better. I think it's a last place team. I think I trust the Rays more than the the Orioles. It's gonna be a fight out of the basement, that's for sure. And I I just think Baltimore, you're in for a long rebuild here. I mean, yes, yeah, I agree. You're you're gonna be. I think you're gonna finish in last this year. I think you're gonna finish, and then you're gonna lose your best player. You know, and I don't see any path back to contention for them. No, it might be time to start the three- to five-year rebuilding plan in Baltimore. Uh, if, if you're lucky. Yep. If you're lucky. What, you know, Speaking of three- to five-year rebuilding plans, what do you think they're going to do in Toronto? Because they've got another you know, another guy who's one of the best two or three third basemen in the league, and Josh Donaldson, who's going to be a free agent, who, you know, according to the Fangraphs uh, Effectively Wild podcast, the you know they do their, their season previews. And during the Blue Jays preview, the Blue Jays beat reporter they had on said that Donaldson is open to signing an extension, but the Blue Jays aren't open to, you know, they haven't really had talks with him. What's the deal with that? You know, what, why he's, he's the best player on the team, right? 
Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I, it's weird because in a weird sort of way, I don't want to see Donaldson in a non-Blue Jays uniform. I, it, he's just kind of become the guy I associate with that team. And really, I like their lineup. I mean, guys like Russell Martin, Justin Smoke, Devon Travis, I think those, that's going to be a pretty decent team. Now, the issue is I keep scrolling down, and I get to their rotation, and really not just the starting rotation, but the bullpen as well. And that situation is dire because you're asking for – like 150 innings out of Jaime Garcia, which is a disaster in and of itself. But then you get to the bullpen, and of course their best reliever is a very good pitcher, Roberto Osuna. He's fantastic. He's also like 21 years old. Who is unfortunately in the back half of last season dealt with some anxiety issues, and which I hope he's okay with at this point. But of course, you know who knows. And after Osuna, that bullpen is not good to say the least. I mean, they've got they've got. I can't even remember his first name. I'm pulling it up really quick. Sung Juan O from the Cardinals, who. I didn't know that he went to the Blue Jays until right now, but he's been a solid reliever for the Cardinals for the last couple of years. Ozuna's good if he can stay on the field. You got Stroman, who I love, Marcus Stroman. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a great he's pitcher. Good. He's I think he's probably going to start the season on the DL, but when he's healthy, he's a very good pitcher. You've got Aaron Sanchez, who's coming off of the blister issues last year, but when he's right, he can be good. Sure. After that, I mean, J.A. Happ. Marco Estrada, they've had good years recently, but do you trust those guys? Not really. Not really. And the thing that worries me the most is that Fangraphs has them giving a total of like 85 innings to John Axford and Tyler Clippard, which it would be awesome in 2015, 2017, or excuse me, 2018. I'm not convinced. I hope that when I grow up, I can be Tyler Clippard, just continually fail at my job and <laughs> keep getting extensions. I mean, oh, no, I mean, Tyler Clippard fails in the biggest moments, but then it seems like he'll go two months where he just plays awful teams and puts together stats. He was a guy when he was with the Nationals. If, I, the, Nas- if the Nationals were playing the Braves. I prayed he came in. Yeah, and they, and they had a lead on us late. I hoped that they would bring in Tyler Clippard because if the situation was tight – and the Bra- you know, back when the Braves were good, they, we always we, we, we always got to Tyler Clippard. I think this is a team that they've got to start trading some of these pieces off. I think you got to trade Donaldson. You need to trade Justin Smoke. If Justin Smoke starts out hot, if he continues what he did last year, turn, cash him in for value. You know, they've got they've got a pretty good farm system. They've got Dante Bichette's kid, whose name I can't remember. They got Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They've got a couple of high level prospects. Bo Bichette, what a fantastic Bo name. Bo Bichette. That's fantastic. That, I would I should have known that Dante Bichette would have named his kid Bo. That's a great name. I'll be totally honest. If I'm the Blue Jays GM, I would at least let it ride a couple months what they've got. Because I mean, they're not the Yankees, they're not the Red Sox, but who knows? Maybe a couple of the pitchers, you know, are out of their minds. Uh, find something they haven't tapped into before, and maybe you go into the all-star break, you know, maybe compete for that division. But if you get to the all-star break and it's just quite obvious that uh, it's not your year, then I do agree you should be getting anything you can for those guys. I mean, there's some high-level players on this team without a doubt. I mean, we didn't mention Kevin Pillar. When he's right, he's a very good defensive outfielder. Maybe he the can, best defensive outfielder He in might be. You know, he can hit a little bit too. But in that division, I just don't see him making the playoffs. I think they've got to tear it down. The last – Moving forward here, the last potential free agent I want to talk about, and this is a guy who we kind of had a disagreement about before we started recording here, is Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. He's got to opt out in his contract. You said you'd be shocked if he opts out. I'd be very shocked. I think I'd be shocked if he didn't opt out. Really? And I'm just curious why you say that. I The reason I say that is because he has been the best pitcher in the league for five, six years now, mm-hmm. and he's got I – don't, I don't have it in front of me. I guess I could have pulled it up if I was a responsible podcast host. <laughs> but he's got a lot of money left on that deal – but if Clayton Kershaw hits the open market, what's that guy going to be worth? Say he puts together a healthy season. My, as another small aside, my favorite Clayton Kershaw stat, maybe my favorite stat in Major League Baseball, is that Clayton Kershaw has lowered his career ERA 
every season since huh. his rookie year, which is insane. That, I mean, just go look at his baseball reference page. It's stupid. I mean, if Clayton Kershaw puts together a full, healthy year, like at a Cy Young level, I will be disgusted by the amount of money he makes. And he's got a ton of money left, but if he is Pete Clayton Kershaw and he hits the market, I think he's going to be back with the Dodgers. I sure. mean, I'd agree with you there because I think the Dodgers will pay him whatever he asked for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he's going to opt out because I'm, I'm just going to pull it up the baseball reference page real quick and look and see if I can figure out how much he's got left. But if he gets to the free let's see, he's got over the next three years, if he opts in, it's $35 million, $34 million, $35 million. So that's, you know, $100 million yep. left. If he, going into his age 30 season, coming off a Pete Clayton Kershaw year, somebody's going to give him seven years and $250 million. No, you're definitely right about that. And I guess I never took into account the you know possibility that he could opt out and then remain with the Dodgers, of course. But, I mean, he just seems one like such a California guy. I mean, I know he's from Texas, but the entire time he's been in He fits LA, in that market. He, he fits the market. He fits the culture there. Then, I mean, he, he never seems to have been motivated by the money to me. I remember reading that when he signed that first big contract with the Dodgers, he set it up to where he received half of the contract and the other half went to him and his wife's humanitarian organizations. So, I mean, obviously, you know, money's money. You're going to want as much of it as possible, but I don't think to him that's going to be the end-all, be-all. No, and I'd agree with you there. I think I'll give you a prediction here. I think what's going to happen is I think at the, maybe at the end of the year, maybe sometime during the season, I think Clayton Kershaw is going to sign a huge extension with the Dodgers. Sure. And I think we're not going to have to have this discussion. I think he's going to sign, a, you know, a five-year, $200 million deal, something along those lines where he – I mean, $35 million a year is insane. It's one of the highest salaries in the league currently. But I think they're going to bump him up into a stratosphere that we've never seen before. I think he's going to make 40, 50, 40, 45, maybe even $50 million a year for four or five more years. And he's going to lock in there because you're right. Clayton Kershaw is the Dodgers. The Dodgers are Clayton Kershaw. He's not going anywhere. But if he were to ever hit the open market, I sure. mean, it, talk about setting a new market for starting pitchers. That would definitely do it. And as much as I hate the Dodgers, I really don't want to see him in a different uniform. He's he's one of the only things we have left reminding us of Vince Scully, in my I know. opinion. It, it, like I said earlier, one of my favorite things is watching late-night Dodgers games when Clayton Kershaw's pitching, and part of that was Vince, Vince Scully. Scully yeah. I'm glad you brought him up. It's just They're so fun to watch. No, it, baseball sucks without him, man. It does. It sure does. But he, Clayton Kershaw's the best pitcher in the league. Mike Trout's the best hitter in the league, and I'm with you. I don't want to see Clayton Kershaw play for anyone but the Dodgers. But at the same time, I would love to see Mike Trout somewhere else because I don't know why the Angels can't make the playoffs with the best player in the league. It's mind-numbing to me. I want to see him go somewhere else. Oh, yeah, it's polar opposites. Clayton Kershaw, you know, even if he's not winning the World Series, you know that the Dodgers are doing everything they can to put a team around him to win the World Series, whereas the Angels, it's just like – one, you don't have anything. Two, what's the plan to get something? Right, and they still they are still have Mike Socia as their manager. But, okay, we're, we've been at this for almost 70 minutes. Okay. We need to get into our awards picks and yep. get out of here. But before we do that, we've got to talk about the Braves for a minute. So I'm just going to give you the floor, and then I'll take the floor, and we can do our Braves thing yep. because we have to. I'm wearing my Braves jacket. Let's take five minutes to get out of the way. Do it. Start out. Go. So about a year ago, if you had asked me what is the trajectory for the Atlanta Braves – I guess maybe I was a little too optimistic. You know, maybe the young fanboy in me took over. My goal for the Braves was to finish 500. I said, if we can take this team and finish 500, that is going to be a fantastic year. And the more and more I look into it, the more I think it would take a hell of a managing job from Brian Snitker. That's not going to happen. To get this team to 500, yeah. <laughs> That's not going to happen. And then I, I kind of like Brian Snitker, but yeah, you're right. I just don't see this team being 500. I guess the goal would be to win around 75 games this year. Really? So the next year finish 500, then the next year maybe start competing. 
Uh, if I had to see a couple things out of the Braves, is number one, of, I think this is on everyone's list, I want to see a full, healthy season out of Freddie Freeman. Without a doubt. Because when he's healthy, he's at very worst a top three first baseman in baseball. Oh, he's the best first baseman in the league. No, he's, he's, much there, be- yeah. he's much better than Anthony Rizzo, sure. without a doubt. And the second thing I want to see out of the Braves, I mean, is the other obvious thing, which is the debut and a rookie of the year campaign out of Ronald Acuna, who... I mean, in spring training, was about as salivating as a prospect can possibly be. He was the best hitter in the Grapefruit League. I yeah, mean, oh, bar yeah. none. Like, no no qualifiers. He was the best hitter in the league. And maybe it's one of those deals where, of course, there's no tape on him. Guys don't know a whole lot about him. But he is 19 years old, and he looks like a Major League Baseball player. He is I, – I, I hesitate – to pour all the expectations onto a onto a guy so young, I think he's going to be 21 this season, just because you know you're setting these guys up to fail. But I haven't heard one negative thing about Ronald Acuna this spring no, from and, anybody. And once again, I hate to heap heavy expectations on a guy, but every time I watch him, every time I read about him, the only thing I can think is Andrew Jones. That's it. I think the floor is Andrew Jones. Yeah, I and mean, obviously, you know, Acuna and that's, that sounds like blasphemy. Yeah. If you listen to our Hall of Fame podcast, I love Andrew yeah. Jones. And Acuna, of course, will never be as good of a defensive outfielder as Andrew Jones. Nobody, nobody, nobody ever will be. be. No, but I mean, if he like his floor as a hitter is probably Andrew Jones. I mean, that's, that's where I'm ridiculous. coming from. I think as a hitter, I think Andrew Jones is absolutely should be the expectation. Uh, Ronald Acuna as a hitter should be no worse than Andrew Jones, which is a guy who is going to hit for power. He's going to hit 30, 35, 40 home runs a year, steal a bunch of bases. I think the only drawback to his offensive game is his batting average isn't great. He's got some swing and miss in his game, Mm -hmm. but everybody does. It's 2018. You're going to strike out. If he can keep his on-base percentage, you know, up above, you know, if he can get it close to 350, his speed is incredible. His raw power is incredible. His defense, you said he's not Andrew Jones and he's not going to be Andrew Jones. No one's Andrew Jones. He can be a borderline elite level corner outfielder. He yeah. can be a very good center fielder, you know. And just on this team with with Ender Inciarte, he's probably not going to play center for a while. But as as a right fielder, he could be one of the best defensive right fielders in the league. And we're talking about that potential just during his rookie year. And I mean, he will not be able to legally drink until December. It's insane. It's crazy. At twenty years old, he is going to be. I mean, I've heard people say this, and I haven't really heard anyone refute it. I think he's going to be the best player on the team, barring Freddie Freeman. He's going to be the second best player on the team right away. As I don't know. I love Ozzy Albies. I do love Ozzy Albies. Okay. All right. We can talk about Ozzy Albies, too, because Ozzy Albies was the best prospect in the organization for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he came up last year and he had a fantastic, you know, what was it, six weeks in the, in the big league? I mean, he looked 10 times the player Dansby Swanson was. Well, this is another thing that we've got to talk about. When Dansby came up in 2016 at the end of the season, he had a great six weeks, he too. Did, you're right. And then he went in the tank. So. Give me, you know, what makes you so confident that Ozzy's not going to go through the same growing pains Dansby did last year? Well, in, in some ways, and th- this is kind of weird, it's one of those intangible type deals, but Ozzy Albies did not have the massive expectations poured on him that Dansby did being a former number one pick, you know, the local big, guy from Marietta. The, the local guy being the big trade target in the Shelby Miller trade. Shel- or excuse me, Dansby Swanson went out there and everybody penciled him in for rookie of the year, and it didn't happen. Ozzy Alvey came up with two months left to go in the season, and everyone just said, you know, it's a cup of coffee. What, what you get out of this guy is what you get. And he used those two months to quietly put together a very solid start to his rookie campaign, which he'll continue this year, won't he, right? Absolutely. I, I think he will. I mean, he came up last year. He had, let's see, 244 plate appearances. I'm looking at that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 244 plate appearances in the big leagues. He played 57 games, and he was worth almost two wins above replacement on fan graphs. He, he looks mature as a hitter is the Which, big thing. I mean, a two-win season is a good season, a total season. Uh-huh. He did it in about a third of a season. So that's great. 
uh, I don't know if you read, I think it was Jerry Krasnick's piece on ESPN about Dansby, about going into his rookie year, the Braves had his face everywhere in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He's on billboards. He's on the sides of buses. You know, he was the face of the franchise. He's the future. And that's a lot of pressure on a kid who was 22, 23 years sure. old. And Dansby, his comp is always to Derek Jeter, the guy who's not the fastest, doesn't have the most power, doesn't have the most raw talent, but he's got the intangibles, right? Mm-hmm. He's He's got the, the best makeup. He's going to hit for a high average. And he doesn't have that pure raw ability to fall back on, whereas Ozzy does. And Ozzy doesn't have the huge expectations lumped on him like Dansby did because Ronald Acuna has taken all those off of him. Right. And he does have elite speed, elite defensive ability. There's some pop in his bat. He's batted 300 every stop he's ever been at. As far as I know, he had 291 year in AAA. But, I mean, his batting averages are insane. You know, 310, 356, 321. He can hit without a doubt. And he's got that elite talent to fall back on if he gets into a run. He's always going to be a great defender and a great base runner, which Dansby doesn't necessarily have. No, I mean, this is kind of aside from the whole Braves, you know, conversation. But this is just going to be such an exciting year for prospects, in my opinion, between Albies and Acuna on the Braves. If you count Showtime with the Angels, I guess he technically counts. And my man, my main volunteer, Nick Senzel, Go in Cincinnati, I am probably going to get a jersey when he gets called up eventually. He, they've moved him to second base, right? They just signed. They have, which I'm excited. Well, actually, I think he originally signed as a third baseman, moved right. to second base because that was kind of his more natural position. They've moved him to shortstop. Is he going to play shortstop He's going to play shortstop. Okay. Well, there you go. I mean, I'm not as huge of a college baseball fan, I think, as you are, as our, our friend Blake Gandy is, but Nick Senzel is one of the best Falls baseball players in a long time. The best in the past decade, I would say. Without sure. a doubt, without a doubt. We're rooting for him. Then you got those guys we briefly touched on in Toronto, Vlad Jr., mm-hmm. Bo Bichette. I mean, there's a lot of prospects to look forward to this year. Is there anything else you want to talk about with the Braves before we move on to our award picks and wrap this bad boy up? No, let's hit this up. Okay, all right. We're going to do awards here. This is... Um, well, let's do World Series first. You already alluded to yours, but talk about who you've got and and why you've got them, and then I'll give you mine, and then we'll do our awards, and then we'll get out of here. We're at like you know an hour and fifteen minutes. This is too long, but I love talking about baseball. Absolutely. So let's you know give me your World Series. Now my World Series, I'm going with a rematch of the 2016 World Series, except this time I'm saying the Cleveland Indians end their near is it up to 70 years at this point? Oh, uh, 50, 50, 48, I think. Oh, it's no that that's since they last made it. I'm talking about since they won one. I have no idea. It's I been know. I think about sixty something years since they last won the World Series. I mean, 1948 was the last. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so that'd be, what, 70 years, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like going can't do math. the Indians over the Cubs. I think they finally ended their long drought, uh, partially because, as I alluded to earlier, the versatility of that team. I love Lindor. I love Jose Ramirez. I think they finally put it all together and make that postseason run. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. My general strategy when picking champions preseason is to go with the most talent because I think, okay. especially once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. You know, in sports other than basketball. In basketball, you know who's going to win from the the beginning of the year. But in football and baseball especially, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. So, I t- you know, every year I pick the Packers in the NFL just because they have Aaron Rodgers. And every year in Major League Baseball, I pick the Dodgers because they have Clayton Kershaw. I'm going to pick the Dodgers to go to the World Series, and I'm also going to pick a rematch, but I'm going to pick a rematch from last year. I'm okay. picking Dodgers-Astros. I think those two teams have the most talent. I think they've got – two of the best front offices, two of the front offices that are most willing to go out on a limb to add to those teams during the season to improve them, to make them better. And at the end of the day, when you just look at that talent on the Astros roster, I think it's enough to win a back-to-back World Series. And I'm, I'm going with the most talent, and I'm sure that something's going to happen in between now and then to make this pick look silly, but 
That team's incredible. I mean, we talked about it, you know. I would not be shocked. No, I mean, the Astros, if you got picked, you know, who has just the most pure talent in baseball, it is obviously the Houston Astros. It has to be. And I think that's – when I'm picking these things, that's all I can go with. You know, you never know what's going to happen when you actually play the games. But I think the odds-on favorite are the Astros. Give them to me over the Dodgers again. Mm-hmm. And what's going to be – I mean, it was an incredible World Series last year. It'll be an incredible World Series oh, again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Okay. Last thing we're going to do before we get out of here, we got to do an MVP rookie of the year, Cy Young. Okay. I don't know if you've got this, you know, I don't know if you did any prep on this, but just off the top of your head or if you did any preparation for it, who do you got for the big three awards in baseball this year? Well, and I'll, I'll just knock all mine out real quick. Yeah, so go through it. For MVP, I looked at some dark horses, kind of like I talked about earlier, like Corey Seager, Mookie Betts, Carlos Correa. I'm going with the obvious guys this year. I'm going with Mike Trout and Bryce Harper in their respective leagues. I mean, Mike Trout is – indisputably the best player in baseball and if he puts together a healthy season he will be the MVP if not deserving of the MVP and Bryce Harper you know it's been a couple years since he put together that peak year I think we're about due for another one of those so I've got that Cy Young I'm pretty boring once again I've got Clayton Kershaw on the NL because you know he's my guy like Trout I think he will put together a whole healthy season in the AL, I've got Chris Sale winning his first ever Cy Young. Really? It seems like the past two or three years at the All-Star break, he would be the obvious pick for Cy Young because, you know, first half of the season, he always dominates and then tails off just a little bit. But I think this year he finally finishes it. Rookie of the year was the hardest just because, I mean, in the NL, Ronald Acuna seems to be the obvious pick. But with him not coming out probably until May, that throws a little bit of a wrench into plans. But I still got Acuna. The AL was just so tough. I mean, I don't haven't paid enough attention, I guess, to who's coming out of the AL. I've got Willie Adams out of Tampa Bay because I heard that he's starting pretty much immediately, and he's a big-time prospect. So those are my three award winners. Didn't they get him in one of the in the David Price trades? Is that the guy they got from Seattle? And that, that sounds thing? right. I think that's right. Uh, I mean, yeah. You're getting to the rookie of the year outside of Ronald Coon. You're getting off into the weeds. Yep. I, my MVP picks, I'd pick Mike Trout every year. I'm going to pick Mike Trout again. I think that um, Jose Altuve – absolutely could win it. I think Aaron Judge absolutely could win it. I think our boy Mookie Betts could win it. Mm. But give me Trout. I think he's he's the odds-on favorite. In the NL, I just don't trust Bryce Harper to have a full season. Sure. I want to pick Freddie Freeman. I think if the Braves could somehow challenge for a wild card, I think Freddie Freeman's going to be in the conversation because I think the way that the Braves could try, challenge for a wild card is if Freddie Freeman is the best player in the league. Sure. And – when healthy the last two years, he's been one of the best players in the league. We didn't talk nearly enough about him because we, we fanboyed over Ronald Acuna, which, I mean, is, <laughs> is, much, is warranted. We should have. But I want to pick Freddie Freeman. I'm not going to because I don't think the Braves are going to be good enough for him to win that award. I'll go with – man, I feel like we got to give a shout-out to Joey Votto, too. I'm not going to pick him for the same reason just because I don't think the Reds are going to be good enough. Man. He's one of my favorite players. I, I think Joey Votto is one of the best players in baseball every year. No Without a doubt. He's one of the best players every year. The Reds just can't compete enough for him to win the award. Give me Nolan Arenado. Sure. You know, we, we kind of – two-way player. Yeah, we kind of poo-pooed the, the Rockies' chances, and I don't think that they're going to really challenge in that division, but they could challenge for a wild card. 100%. And Nolan Arenado is one of the best – like you said, he's one of the best two-way players in the league. Give me him as my NL MVP. For the NL Cy Young, I'm going Clayton Kershaw. Okay. Until someone is better than him, I'm Which taking. No one is. I'm taking Kershaw. No one's better than him. If he misses significant time like he did last year, and Noah Syndergaard stays healthy, Noah Syndergaard could absolutely win that award. I'm taking Kershaw until someone beats him. In the AL, I'm going to go with Chris Sale too. I think Chris Sale is one of the best pitchers in the league. You said Chris Sale, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, I thought you did. 
Chris Sale is fantastic. Another guy who's on my fantasy team, so I'm rooting for him. <laughs> you just keep running right. I'm just going to keep running him back. I figured you'd have to. Yeah. And then um, AL, or NL MVP, it's Ronald Acuna. It yep. has to be Ronald Acuna. We're absolutely putting the kiss of death on this kid. There's no way that he's actually going to come through. It's a foolproof jinx. Yeah. It, I mean, it's 100% a jinx yep. at this point. Um, but I'm going to let the expectations get the best of me. You know, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to allow myself to enjoy this and allow myself to be crushed if he's not as good as we think he is. And then the last one is going to be AL MVP. And who would you say? Oh, I ended up saying Mike Trout, of course. I mean, AL Rookie of the Year. Sorry. Oh, oh AL Rookie of the Year. I said Willie Adams in Tampa Bay. I'll, I'll take him. Whatever. Give me – actually, you know what? I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to take Austin Coley. I'm going to take Austin Coley <laughs> getting traded oh. to an American League team winning the Rookie of the Year. No, I'm just kidding. He's going I, to the Mariners. I don't know near enough about, you know – into the weeds rookies in the American League. I I guess as a fun pick, I'll take Vlad Guerrero Jr. I don't think he's going to necessarily get called up at any point this year. Actually, sure. you know what? Forget forget Vlad Guerrero Jr. Give me Yoan Makata. Does he still have rookie eligibility? I don't think so, but I can't promise you that. I've said he 14 might. people. One of the guys I said is going <laughs> to challenge for the rookie of the year. Right about that. If you know more about AL rookies than I do, you know, tweet at us. Let us know who's actually going to win it. But it's going to be one of those guys. Lewis knows more about AL rookies than I do, obviously. But is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here, Lewis? This has been an ungodly long podcast. <laughs> we need to wrap it up. But do you have any thoughts before we get out of here? It's off the cuff and off subject. But at the end of three quarters, the Grizzlies are down 55 points to the Hornets. So that's fun. There we go. So if you need to know when we're recording this, just go back and look and see when the Grizzlies are getting beat by 55 points. And that's when we're recording. Yep. <laughs> if you don't have anything else, I don't have anything else. This was so much fun. I love talking baseball. We're going to do it more throughout the summer. Baseball is the best sport. And I just can't wait. I can't wait for it. Enjoy it. Go Braves. Go Ronald Acuna. Thank you so much to Aaron Lewis for being on. We love having you here. We're going to have you more throughout the season. Um, but if you don't already, follow us on Twitter, at InformalUS. Follow me, at Sam or at Lewis underscore 06. Follow Lewis at, what's your Twitter handle? At El Paley Rojo. That's underscore E-L underscore Paley Rojo. Look it up. You look it up. He's there. He's there. He's a superstar. Follow our usual co-host, at Austin Coley. If you have any questions, comments, let us know. Give us some feedback at our Gmail account, which I believe is informalpublication at gmail.com. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this marathon podcast. Go Braves. Go America. We're out. Peace.